you're relying on the spirit as you follow God's methods for parenting. Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast a podcast for parents, as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. Hey Ben, how you doing today? Doing pretty well. It's towards the end of my work week though. I'm getting a little tired. might uh, refresh myself when we get done with this for the cup of coffee. I try to do like half-calf though, and more than half-calf at this time of the day. But uh, how about you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing well. I just got back from uh, vacation. And uh, so, yeah, I will be... I, I I usually do at least one cup of coffee in the afternoon. I'm planning on making a cup of coffee between podcast episodes. So Very good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just always really in the spirit for French press when we're recording the podcast. And, uh, you know, so it just really gets me excited and, uh, you know, gets my tongue moving fast, right? (laughs) Like almost like I'm speaking tongues. You know, uh, I, I <laughs> listeners, I think probably eight or nine out of ten of the podcast intros I do, uh, I don't plan anything in it. Just so you know. So, but with that brought up, uh, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, something more powerful than coffee at getting us going. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes, I would. Uh, though Luther said he didn't need in the mornings, I think anger is what drove him, but. I, think the holy spirit was at work as well but yeah so well i think he was more inclined to drink something that was more like spirits you know actually <laughs> yeah. yeah his wife made it so yeah it was beer technically i don't think uh technically it's distilled so it's not s- spirits but yes but booze nonetheless <laughs> we're going to talk about a different spirit the holy spirit and how this impacts next generation discipleship and you know i have to say that i'm kind of embarrassed to think that you know we've done pushing 200 podcast episodes which is crazy uh and uh this hasn't like come up at all i mean as a as we an talked about the one. trinity yes so. that's true so but yeah but it's uh i i think there's a topic that's often misunderstood and something that needs a lot more clarification than we have often today would you agree with that definitely so, Ben, so how did you understand the Holy Spirit in your childhood and your youth? I can't say I remember super well, but probably not very, didn't understand him very well or not overly close to what Scripture says. I probably related more to feelings and decisions, which, again, not that that's all bad and wrong, but I don't think I had a very distinct understanding from scripture the holy spirit was just sort of that other one mm-hmm. and you know i mean some like i grew up independent baptist and you probably don't hear about you know an independent baptist church full of the spirit though they genuinely may be but i, I actually knew people that were in different christian traditions who referred to dead baptist churches by that they meant that they weren't like you know raising their hands and singing very loudly or all praying at the same time or, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. But how about you? Because you came to your, your understanding was in a 
whole different context. I did. Well, and it progressed because, I mean, before Jesus, I was led to the Lord in high school. And before that, I mean, I, I was at a Christian high school, so I was getting some Christian education. But I, I don't know for 100% certainty, but I'm 99.9% uh, certain that if you would ask me when I was, you know, say 14, that who the Holy Spirit is, I would have no idea what on earth you're talking about. Uh, you know, I would have been familiar with God and Jesus and, you know, probably somewhat familiar with the idea that, you know, that they're different persons, you know, but both God, maybe that's what Christians believe, but I definitely wouldn't. I probably would have assumed that you're talking about like somehow a spiritual manifestation of God, if that makes sense, okay. rather than like, you know, that the person of the Holy Spirit. But my high school church was dramatically different. I was led to the Lord uh, by the son of a Pentecostal pastor, and that church was, was charismatic. And I think uh, I kind of embraced the, and there's a lot of factors that contributed to it, but I kind of embraced uh, kind of a mystical view of the Holy Spirit at the time. You know, it was really more about, which we're going to talk about later, but a, kind of a force. And, you know, so it, uh, so for example, I was really, I don't think it was wrong to get really, really into moving and in music, for example, but I did. And I thought it would, I think I had a sense of superiority uh, in it. And, you know, there's a lot. I mean, we've talked about uh, liver shivers in the past and how that's how kind of what led me to Tacoa Falls College. And that was rooted in my theology of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and even, I, when I was in high school, I remember I was like really against expository preaching, preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible. And the reason why was because I thought that the basically you weren't really dependent upon the spirit. You weren't that the pastor wasn't listening for what the spirit is telling him, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely changed in that sense then. So I would hope so, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you use notes and stuff. And <laughs> mm -hmm. Although it's actually interesting that, so I did not even know the denominational identity of that church that I went to in high school until like a week ago. So I, uh, like uh, six days ago, I was getting lunch uh, with actually the guy who was my youth pastor back then. And I thought it was kind of just non-denominational Pentecostal. But apparently there was a break off of the Assemblies of God in like 1910 where they're congregational. So each church is governed by itself. But, you know, they kind of associate together. And that's what that church was, if that makes sense. So, Okay. More, and more you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we need to include that sound effect. Dude. <laughs> I remember seeing those, yes, on Saturday mornings when I was a kid. Talking about the Holy Spirit then, uh, who exactly is the Holy Spirit? And I intentionally say who, not what, Ben. Well, yeah, you're right. Scripture does portray the Spirit as a personal being, not a personal force or something like that, but he's fully God, one with the Father, one with the Son, uh, distinct from the Father and the Son, yet fully God. He's present in creation. You see it at the very beginning there, the first page of your Bible, uh, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You um, see him as the agent in new creation as well. Uh, there's a whole lot more that we could say, but yes, he is fully God to be worshipped as God, and uh, he's the the one through whom God speaks to give us Scripture, 
the, through the prophets, I mean, I've been preparing some studies on Second Peter, and it talks about that, how uh, they were carried along by the Spirit, and they, men spoke from God. And so somehow God was superintending that process, uh, but he, he's the, the agent of, of God's speech. So, yeah, there's a whole lot more we could say, but I think that's a good short summary. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's good. So, I, I mean, I definitely think we should rightly emphasize that he is the third person in the Trinity and uh, as defined, you know, and not that there, he's lesser than other members of the Trinity. But, you know, typically that's how it's been designated. And I, I think it's important to really emphasize that he shares all attributes with all other members of the Trinity. He shares yeah. them equally. And, uh, you know, I, I think like we talked about the Trinity stuff, sometimes when you get into Trinitarian relationships, the more you say about it, the more you're heretic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I actually do think in thinking about the Holy Spirit, I think the doctrine of divine simplicity is incredibly important. Uh, Matthew Barrett's book, Simply Trinity, I think is really helpful in thinking not just about the, the Holy Spirit, but about the whole Trinity. But I, I think he really shows really his nature is is the same you know he is diff distinct person uh, but all the members of the trinity and, and even in the roles i mean they function and each member of the trinity does different things but it's not because there's one that's the magic one and one that's the person one if that makes sense uh you know they they're true there's simplicity in the trinity you know matt i've not really read matthew barrett other than maybe a few articles but the guy seems like a beast he's just putting out so many books it's crazy. So I don't know how he's able to do it. And he teaches a lot of classes, I think, too. So, wow. But while there's nothing in the nature of the Holy Spirit that makes him have a certain role inherently, uh, we do see, I think, yeah, that the Holy Spirit is a unique role of kind of applying truth of God. More often than not, I mean, again, you mentioned a lot of the things he does in Scripture, uh, and we shouldn't oversimplify, but nonetheless, he certainly does apply truth. Uh, now, but is the spirit that we're talking about, is the Holy Spirit a force or a person? And I know we've kind of given it away, but I think it's an important question. It is an important distinction to make because we think of things, at least in our Western world, spirits is, is some kind of energy yeah. or people, you know, May the 4th is coming up and Star Wars <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. New Age has influenced Western world. And so scripture does portray the Holy Spirit as a person. I mean, like when Jesus says to baptize, to, to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he's included in that as they share uh, the name. And he's also, he can be grieved. We're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't grieve gravity. Uh, gravity just acts on you. Yeah. He can also be lied to in Acts 5, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, yeah. they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's, again, that's what you do to a person. And so it's important that we recognize him as a person and worship him as that, and instead of just treating him as, as some kind of spiritual energy. Yeah, I know. Vibes. Good. Yeah, so I think that's important. So, yeah, I mean, I'll add to that, you know, he, uh, I mean, we see clearly, I think that, I mean, uh, the Bible uses consistently, even with the gender pronouns, I mean, it uses masculine pronouns in the Bible for the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, I mean, he's clearly a person from scripture. I mean, on top of in what you said, I mean, I think we see that he speaks in the book of Acts. I mean, he's speaking and not as just like a kind of the force speaking. It's not like in Star Wars where the force kind of reveals somebody else to you. Uh, but he, I mean, he has feelings. He makes uh, decisions. Uh, and uh, that, I mean, for example, Acts 15, 28, I think is a important one. Uh, it says, uh, Acts 15, 28 says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. So, you know, so it's something seemed to be the case for the Holy Spirit, which I think is a, something you can't say of a force. If that right. makes sense. So gravity didn't seem, it didn't seem to be the case with gravity, right? Yeah, gravity doesn't make decisions. It's just, just there. It does not. So now did Baptists like us really welcome the Holy Spirit, Ben? I'd say yes, mostly at least. Though, you know, like I said earlier, I remember having this friend and, and she was charismatic. She loves the Lord. But this friend said, oh, you know, these dead Baptist churches. And I actually did end up going to this friend's church several years later at the end of high school. And I'll say now they were meeting in this place. I don't even, I don't remember what it had been previously. It had not been a church though. And so it had a drop ceiling and it was low and it was a pretty full room, man. I had never experienced just acoustically that kind of thing. There were so many people singing and they were singing loud. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was powerful and so that was kind of her experience and then going to this church where people are some are not even singing and some who are just kind of mumbling. Uh, they don't look joyful, but because we're not as enthusiastic or maybe energetic or uh, fluid, I'll use that term, just sort of it goes and, uh, you know, in our public worship as some traditions are. So it seems to them at least to be quenching the spirit because they understand the, the manifestation of the spirit to be this really energetic, maybe speaking yep. in tongues or, and that's not everybody, but even just enthusiastic singing and uh, worshiping the Lord in that way. That's not all that's, it may include that, but that's not the only thing. Uh, and scripture actually points to quite a bit more. Yeah. So no, that's good. So. That's, I think that's an important question because, I mean, you get a lot of this. I mean, I remember even in my background and my perspective on Baptists, as well as any kind of Reformed people, uh, there's a, a term about Baptists and Presbyterians that they're the frozen chosen, and <laughs> yeah. you know, which can be true, unfortunately. Sometimes there's a lack of enthusiasm. Uh, but, uh, and so, you know, you'll see, I mean, people refer, yeah, like you basically mentioned that he's the Holy Spirit is a missing person in the Trinity and Baptists and like Presbyterian churches, you know, that kind of, you know, word centered church that, you know, is going to be cautious about things like new revelation. But in mm -hmm. fact, actually, I think uh, like a Baptist church is inherently congregationalist and congregational theology, as well as even reformed theology, I think necessitates the Holy Spirit to work not uh, more, not less. You know, the I mean, you look at it. I'm, I mean, you see a lot of people criticize, for example, the idea of the church being run by the body. I think mean, that's chaos. And, uh, and a lot of the response to that is, you know, if the scripture teaches it, the scripture also teaches the Holy Spirit indwells all believers and makes them priests of God. And thus, you know, you kind of, you, you kind of have to have the Holy Spirit and a congregational, uh, you know, polity without going mad. If that makes sense. Well, I, 
Yeah, and it touches on other things like you you need regenerate church membership. Yeah. And be careful about that. But yeah, for or, sure. or else you do end up with some pretty bad stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you need the you know the Holy Spirit working on members in that way. So I mean, but even then, you know, reformed theology, the idea that, you know, we're born again of God, that it was, you know, God who pursues us. I I inherently I mean, the Holy Spirit is super active and essential to the do- what's called the doctrines of grace. So it's hard to deny that, you know, somebody who holds these kinds of teachings could really have a small view of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to believe that, really. Yeah, well, and I think that's a good point. And even Calvin himself, like, he's not ultimately the fountainhead of the form stuff, but he can be viewed that way. And certainly he made big contributions, but he's called a theologian of the Holy Spirit, uh, yeah. because of his, his emphasis. So uh, that's telling. And well, that's, yeah. you know, 500 years ago. And one of the ways he did that, I mean, was teaching so much on Scripture and, and the way that God speaks through Scripture. And, you know, and it's funny because, I, I mean, I think neither of us would believe that uh, that we hear this, you know, kind of direct revelation from the Holy Spirit today. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't, and we might not even talk directly on the Holy Spirit speaking when we read the Bible. Maybe we should more. But I think a high view of the Word of God is actually inherently a high view of the Holy Spirit. Because it's, I mean, to, to think that a 2,000-year-old document uh, is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it can transform us and is the very word of God is to have a high view of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, amen. So, now, what role does the Holy Spirit play in salvation? Well, he opens the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. He persuades us of our own guilt and our need for Christ. Uh, he gives new birth. Uh, makes us want to come to Christ. It's not that, that those who are saved are like kicking and screaming uh, against mm-hmm. their will, that they want to. Just, what else would I do? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot more that, that could be said, uh, but he he comes and, and takes what Christ has done. Like you said earlier, he, he applies that re, uh, redemption to us and, and its benefits and then uh, joins us to Christ yeah. by faith. Yeah, that's good. So. Yeah, and even before, I'll add a couple acts that I think he does the before the moment of regeneration, because he's at work in all aspects of this. I, I mean, I think Acts 1-8 shows us, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who sends out the message. It is not like our ingenuity. It, it's the Holy Spirit that's always been the one that even empowers people to bring the message of salvation to others. Uh, and, you know, and we, when we come to Christ, we inherently we're, and, and dividing the line here is really tricky, but I mean, the Holy Spirit is going to show us our sin. And, and we see that clearly. I, in speaking of salvation, John 16, 8 through 11 shows how the Holy Spirit show, reveals our sin so that we might accept understand our need of salvation mm-hmm. now how is the holy spirit also part of the christian life is it just constantly giving people the liver shivers <laughs> i never heard that term until you but it's good the holy spirit he draws attention to and unites us to christ uh i J.I. Packer had a good example of that. He was walking past this church building at night, and there was uh, some kind of lighting down on the ground that was trying to – it was drawing attention, I think, to a stained glass window or something. But the the way that it was set up, it was done well so that you couldn't really tell 
so much the light, what you saw was what the light was shining on. And he said that that's what Christ does. And so he, he draws our attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he pours God's love into our heart. Romans five says it's this immediate experience, immediate in the sense of close. Uh, we sense God's love. He assures us uh, that we are his. He brings character change and transformation of us uh, that in Galatians five, the fruit of the spirit, that's what it's talking about. And keeping in step with the spirit, walking by the spirit, uh, as he changes us, he, he leads us in those ways. Second mm. um, Corinthians three eighteen talks about that as well. This transformation that is done by the Lord, who is the Spirit. He gives us understanding of the things of God in First Corinthians. Things that are of God. If we're spiritually blind, we're dead. We don't have the Spirit. They don't make sense. We need the Spirit to give us understanding, not just to intellectually understand them, because there's people that can do that. They can sit there and they can read and break down the grammar and say, well, this is the argument that's being made. But to see them for what they are, to see them and, and love the truth and so be saved, Paul talks about. He gifts and empowers people for ministry. You mentioned this mm-hmm. earlier about uh, for proclaiming the gospel, but also for building up others. Mm-hmm. In a way, the Spirit comes in and we, through us, you know, we bring God's presence to other people as we use the spiritual gifts that he's given to us. And it's for edifying for the common good. Um, I mean, that, that wasn't a short answer, but there's more that could be said. But that's a big part of, of what he does in the day-to-day life of Christians. Yeah, yeah that's good. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's most of what I, I really uh, thought about with this. Uh, another thing I did think about, you know, and this is part, partly in pertaining to our salvation, but, I mean, Ephesians 1.13 shows that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, which means that he keeps us in the Christian life, which is profoundly comforting. You know, it's not, I, I know that without a view of the Holy Spirit in that aspect and perseverance, I think it's easy to wonder, you know, have I, have I sinned too much today? But the Holy Spirit tell, I mean, tells us through scripture that he seals us. He keeps us there and he keeps us with God so that we can never fall away. Uh, the, yeah, I think, I mean, he does, I mean, he brings the Bible to us and he makes it alive to us. Uh, the, and John 14, uh, 26, I think shows us that very, very clearly. I mean, it talks about how the Holy Spirit would teach them basically the things, God's people, the things that Jesus says himself. So, you know, the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I mean, reading the Word would have less impact, one could undoubtedly say, or you know, maybe even that's over understating it. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the, uh, that the gifts, but, you know, further, I mean, the Holy Spirit produces fruit as a result of our salvation. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think that a lot of churches that talk about valuing the Holy Spirit and movements that do. There's there's a tendency to with the fruits to of uh, the Spirit to kind of have this you know approach where, you know, these are things that we kind of add to our life. You know, you need to grow in the fruit. But actually the New Testament teaches that these are kind of overflowings of the work of the Spirit. These are identifiers that the Holy Spirit is within you. Really the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one that brings the fruit. It's his fruit. It's not our fruit. You know, so yeah, so. yeah. There's the work of the flesh, and there's the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, what we bring in our effort and what he produces. Amen. So yeah, and I think he works in us together as well. I think is another key. We see that so often. I mean, the Holy Spirit is connected to the church as such a. I mean, as the whole Christian life really is. 
Yeah, the unity of the Spirit in the church, and it's a, it's the unity around Jesus and, and Him crucified and risen. Amen. Now, why does the Bible talk about the Holy Spirit less than the other members of the Trinity, directly at least? That's a good question, and I'll have to say I'm not entirely sure. Some have called him the shy member of the Trinity. <laughs> but I think some of the stuff we just talked about where he draws attention to Christ, not himself. And so I think that's some of the critique I have of some movements that emphasize the work of the Spirit as this you know, slaying people and people are literally, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun, but barking like dogs and acting like animals, which apparently you may know this, but that kind of stuff was happening in the second great awakening yep, uh, in those camp meetings. And I mean, I think there was people shrieking and stuff in the first great awakening as well. I don't know if the, the animal stuff, but anyway, that necessarily is not an indication that the spirits at work, that just people are real enthusiastic and emotional. They could be, but it's not a guarantee. But the, the Spirit is drawing attention to Jesus because people need to, to trust him. They need to obey him. And so, and the Father also is drawing attention to Jesus. He, he is the one the Father has sent, and he's saying, this is my son with whom I'm well. Please listen to him. And so there's this concerted effort within the persons of the Trinity to draw attention to Jesus. And so I think it, it's related to that, and salvation is in Christ. It, it's applied by the Spirit, but we, we must trust the Son. So yeah. That's my best guess, but what are your thoughts? That's good. I think definitely my thoughts are along the same lines. Uh, and I, I think it's something we need to think about. But I mean, but it, it is kind of weird, though, too, because at the same time, I mean, the Holy Spirit really is everywhere in Scripture because the fact that we see the Holy Spirit is what is the member of the Trinity that inspired Holy Scripture. So in a way, literally every word of the Bible is of the Holy, you know, is the Holy about the Holy Spirit in a way. But, you know, he's just doing it quietly <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but even when he does it quietly he does it you know we worship the son directly we look to the son directly but when jesus talks about that he's basic he says that you know when you worship me you glorify the father and uh, and in the same way i think that's true of the holy spirit yeah i don't think that there's any concept of jealousy within the, the trinity in that way you know i think when mm -hmm. we sing a song of worship to the son I, I think we are worshiping the Father and the Holy Spirit, though they are different persons. The work that they do is so intertwined, and they bring glory to themselves, to one another. Mm, that's so. good. Now, how much do you think that young people understand about the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to say probably not a great deal. One reason, though, he can seem a bit enigmatic, the son, so I kind of get that father son. I, I know relationships like that in the natural world, and so then the Holy Spirit's this whole other thing. And so I think it can't. I mean, because God is invisible, and He doesn't have the image of father and son, it can be uh, even more abstract, particularly for younger children. So I'm just going to guess probably not great, though that doesn't mean there can't be any understanding or a, a proper recognition of the spirit is, is God and we worship him and we obey what he says in the Bible. That's good. Yeah, I, I suspect that there's not much of an understanding with young people, probably more so than, you know, other generations. But in general, I think that's probably true of all, most people. Uh, and, yeah. and I think in part this has been because 
uh, the Holy Spirit has been undertaught in many circles out of fear of misteaching, the misteachings that come in the others, which really isn't helpful. You know, almost like there's a fear that in certain circles the Holy Spirit is overemphasized, which I'm I'm not sure that you can overemphasize any member of the Trinity in a way, you know, it's complicated, uh, but, you know, uh -huh. and has resulted in kind of a failure to really adequately uh, and, you know, teach and instill uh, a high view of the Holy Spirit and the next generations. It's a good point. And I, I've talked about this probably with you on here, and I know I've talked about it with other people, but just fallen human nature tends to swing back and forth in a pendulum, just reacting to the previous error or overreaction. And so there have been some who've overreacted to Catholic uh, talk about, you know, the the body and the, the blood of Jesus being present in the in communion, the Eucharist, um, that kind of thing. And so I, I think it was Wayne Grudem talked about how some people overreacted to that and said, this is, you know, they have like the doctrine of the real absence of the body of Christ. There's, there's nothing mystical or magical going on here. And yeah. similarly with the Holy <laughs> Spirit in response to abuses by some who even people, some in, in the charismatic and Pentecostal traditions would look and say, yeah, that's, that's not, Jesus doesn't like that. Um, yes. but right. you've got people just doing absolute crazy things and, and just, trying to baptize it and say, oh, yeah, you know, it's the Spirit. So um, anyway, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I think it's worth noting, as you, you kind of alluded to, by the way, that, uh, you know, while we uh, definitely are showing, you know, more of the historic Reformation understanding of the Holy Spirit, as I think is taught most clearly in Scripture, uh, you know, there are people that are more charismatic, uh, as uh, many of the best theologians, including like Wayne Grudem, that uh, he would add to what we're saying, but he would 100% affirm these things. And and I think that we need to recognize that. Yeah. So now what are some uh, misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit common among young people today? Well, I think one is sort of making the Holy Spirit out to be like a magic or even a divine eight ball that you shake for decision making. That's really what he's there is for to help us to make decisions. Certainly the Lord does guide us. I trust. I think that's a dynamic kind of situation and trying to fully describe it. I don't know that we can. Mm hmm. Uh, he works through circumstances and wisdom and people and, and things and, and how that all works and it, your view on divine sovereignty and all that. So that, that's a complicated thing. But we can't reduce the Holy Spirit to something we just shake to get an answer. Um, or, I mean, I think another thing we see is making it sort of all about our feelings. Uh, he makes us cry or you know be really moved when we sing or feel, you know, quote, wrecked. I don't know if that's still like a cool word. People heard people talk about that. Oh, I was just so wrecked. Um, yes, the Holy Spirit can, can bring great conviction of sin. He can do a lot of things on those levels, but that's not the, the sum total of his ministry to us. Uh, those things to me seem to really rise to the top for how I guess young people that I've interacted with might view the Holy Spirit. But what about in your, your view? Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you, but I, I did some research on this. And uh, according to, there's a study that's really depressing every couple of years from Ligonier and Lifeway together. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, it's it, bad. 
Yeah, it's it's really bad. And it surveys kind of the religious beliefs of those. I think almost ex- I think exclusively professing Christians, and they found about three out of five professing Christians uh, believe that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a person. Which I mean, so literally significantly more than not believe that he's a force, not a person, which is really sad, and I think has been a result of some bad teachings. Uh, I think further we see that he is, you know, a lot of people kind of have a a theology like you kind of alluded to that he has felt when we have this emotionally manipulative music. And so you see that in certain circles, you know, certain circles, especially in even certain youth groups, for example, will have, you know, you'll have these certain types of music that is, I mean, these chord structures that are designed to give you an emotional feeling and you call that the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I, before I was a Christian, I remember going to a punk rock concert and we called that a mosh pit. You know what I mean? I'm not kidding. Holy Spirit plays in G, C and D. Oh yeah. Yeah. And legitimately it's, you know, it's, it's God's that way that God made us that we react emotionally to certain styles of music. And then we, but we call that, you know, feeling the Holy Spirit. So in the way that, you know, the, I mean, there's even been, I mean, if studies by secular groups that have shown, you know, a lot of people that have a sense of feeling the Holy Spirit and music, if you, if you change the chord structure of a song, they, they just won't connect and feel the Holy Spirit. And it's hard to, to think that there is like, you know, there was a Trolls movie where there was like magic chords or something like that that tried, and it's hard to, yeah, believe like you said that there was like magic sets of chords that summon the holy spirit you know well a professor of ours in college was talking about that he he had been an atheist previously and went to all these rock concerts and stuff back in probably the 70s and he said he just addressed that whole thing and he said yeah those feelings whatever i went i had those same feelings when i went to rock concerts and i was an atheist that's not the holy spirit yeah and just like just just said it very flatly it's like okay moving on i think he's right i mean I I got into it myself, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's hard for me to differentiate what I did at punk rock concerts before Christ and that you know. So, uh, but I I think another one that people tend to misunderstand is I think we we tend to think that we need to hear from the Holy Spirit beyond the Bible. You know that we need a word. We're desperately that God needs to give a word to our day. We need new revelation, which I mean is it is a misunderstanding because it says that what the Bible give gave us, what the Holy Spirit gave us as a complete revelation is not enough. Which even, you know, you mentioned Wayne Grudem who does look for some sort of continuing revelation. He would not put it in the same category as scripture, but even he admits that when there's an emphasis on those continuing words, what it functionally often can do is have people put their Bible on the shelf because it seems so much more. So it's to yeah. me, it's personal, it, whatever. And, and so just the Bible's kind of not enough. But if Jesus spoke to me on Thursday morning in my quiet time by the spirit, then that's, that's yeah. even more special. Agreed. That's dangerous. So now how can next generation ministries teach children about the Holy Spirit without confusing them? I think you want to teach directly on it. But as you said earlier, if you, the more you say, the, the closer you get to heresy. So don't try to be so precise or use these full orbed analogies that portray, you know, tries to fully capture it all. Just live with some mystery and say, this is mm-hmm. what scripture says. And we mentioned Calvin earlier. 
uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, where scripture speaks, that's where we go. And then where scripture doesn't speak, we shut up. And mm-hmm. so, especially when you're talking about the identity of God, we want to be careful. Yeah. Another thing I think that can be very helpful is to pray Trinitarian prayers. And I know, I'm sure I have done this in my lifetime, and I have heard other people do this, but sometimes they're praying something like a Trinitarian prayer, but it gets confusing. And Father, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and and things like that. Again, I I don't think those people are heretics at heart. I think sometimes people get confused, they slip of tongue, whatever. But we do want to just be careful with our language. And as we pray, just acknowledging the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, so that, you know, the Father didn't die for our sins. The Father also, it doesn't say the Father comes to us or in yeah. us. It says that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, and he, sin- he does that by his Spirit. And so just being careful about those things. Um, also, something, you could call it a liturgy or a practice, a, a repetition, but Recently, we were talking about this, about the the spirit and the word don't want to divorce. And so like when you go to read scripture and I, I got this from Russell Moore, I remember him doing this some when he was uh, at seminary when we were there. And you know, this is what the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, through Isaiah, whatever it is. Just And I've, I can't say that I do this every time particularly in front of our church, when the whole church is gathered, reading scripture will say, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit says here. And so just calling people's attention, uh, or, you know, this is, let's read God's word that he breathed out by his spirit. And then let's ask the spirit to work in us now through that word. And just trying to connect people in their mind. They're hearing it over and over and like, oh, okay. Bible time is spirit time. Okay. That's good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, w- what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's excellent. So I'm not going to add much, but I just want to, especially ditto on what you said about, you know, not really going beyond scripture. I think that is just so important. And, uh, you know, I think if we get into speculation, and that's why we've talked about the doctrine of simplicity in the Trinity before. But I mean, if you get into speculation with young people, you are in a place of danger. I mean, if you are teaching or you know, even singing songs that imply that we can welcome in the Holy Spirit to a place, uh, you know, I, I think that you're not helping uh, when we know that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. And I think we can emphasize, we, we should emphasize regeneration and the partnership uh, of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. And I think doing that, I think, is to lift up the Holy Spirit in a helpful way. I think showing salvation was not just, I got saved, but I was born again of the Holy Spirit. I think how we talk with young people about, about what salvation is, is going to lift a, hot, a high view of the Holy Spirit, as well as, I think, showing them how Christian growth happens. Uh, yeah, I really like those, both those points. Now, how can knowledge of the Holy Spirit be more integrated into family and discipleship? Well, first, the parents, guardians, whoever, they need to grow in it themselves. They're just not, you're not going to lead people in a place that you haven't gone. Back to the, you know, what Next Generation Ministries can do is pray Trinitarian prayers often. And I mean, that can be around the dinner table, that can be in, in other settings. Uh, I, something that I saw this a lot in is the Book of Common Prayer. I think we've talked mm. about that recently and yeah. here before. There's a lot of Trinitarian prayers. It's something, you know, praying uh, to the Father, asking in the, or praying that the Spirit would do this, 
who lives and reigns with you and the sun, or it's, it's constantly including all three of them and bring it to our awareness. That, oh yeah, th- this is who God is. You can, uh, Make up your own. The Valley of Vision has prayers addressed to, to different ones. Uh, there's also in this book that I mentioned before when we were talking about habits in your your family and stuff like that. Uh, there's a, a book that I referenced there, Habits of the Household. And he had some things on there, some, some helps in guiding you in those kinds of things. So it really is a form of teaching. Another way is to rely on the Spirit as you give your kids the word. And as you uh, try to help them to walk in it, you're, you're relying on the spirit to, to take that truth and to ignite it in their lives, to open their eyes so that they, they turn to Christ, but then so that they have the wisdom to put it into practice in real life situations. And so you're relying on the spirit as you follow God's methods for parenting. As you discipline your children, these different kinds of things, you're going, all right, God's way is best, the the word that the Spirit gave. And I'm just going to trust we're going to keep doing this over and over and over. And even if I don't see immediate results, I'm going to say, all right, I'm I'm trusting the Spirit to take this and, and use it in some way. You know, you're always very good in these things of really, of really finding a medium between broad principles and specific application, you know, uh, and I'm not as good at that. So I won't even try in this. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just be broad and then very particular. Uh, you know, I think in general, family discipleship, one extremely important word of understanding the Holy Spirit and incorporating him into it is honestly just seeing that the Holy Spirit's work means family discipleship can bring real change. Having family worship, having conversations about the Lord uh, as you go, uh, it means that those aren't fruitless. Because I think it can get so discouraging, and we feel like, you know, all of this is just kind of going in one ear and out the other. But we know that that's not true if we believe the Holy Spirit works through his word, as we know it, he does. If that, you know. Yeah, as Spurgeon was said, like as he climbed the steps to the pulpit, he'd say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of along those same lines. Mm-hmm. And then uh, more specifically, you know, I think when we try to do family worship as part of our family discipleship, and, uh, you know, we can sing songs that really elevate the Holy Spirit in a proper way rather than become mystical. Uh, I think of, I mean, there have been some really good songs that have been rediscovered or, you know, even newer ones. Uh, come The old hymn, Come, O Come, Thou Holy Spirit, that Indelible Grace Music covers is excellent. Uh, Holy Spirit Living Breath of God by the Gettys is a wonderful resource to teach your family and family worship. And I think the, the songs we sing, as we've talked about before, will shape our kids. Yeah, that's a very good point. So how do you really know, though, Ben, if the Holy Spirit is present in our next generation ministries? I'd say the biggest marker is if the Bible is believed and it's taught and the gospel is proclaimed, then you're, you're wielding a flaming sword. And so even if you've got a crummy location that you're working in and the people that are leading it are not especially awesome or good with kids, if they believe God's word and they teach it and they hold up Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so I think that's that's how you know the Holy Spirit's work. Even if you don't see the immediate fruit, you're just talking about that. You, you don't always get the immediate results. But, you know, we're, we're more into 
uh, meal prep by the crock pot than by the microwave, you know? And so you just let it, let it sit there and, yeah. and simmer for a long time. And, uh, to me, that would be the, the biggest indication that the spirits are work. Yeah. It's interesting for me, the question on that, because I mean, I remember a time in a church experience before I think I, I read the Bible more and I remember uh, somebody telling me, you know, uh, that that worship service seemed good and all, but in my heart of hearts, I, I didn't feel the Holy Spirit was there. And so, you know, it can't basically, you know, it was all all in vain. But the truth is that you don't have to welcome in the Holy Spirit who is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And he is always, especially with his people and when the word is proclaimed. Uh, I, so the special presence of the Holy Spirit, which is maybe a generous interpretation as that kind of Shekinah glory, Old Testament imagery is what's being referred to. But we know that the Holy Spirit is specially at work and present where Christ is celebrated and holiness is upheld. So, you know, we don't have to summon him in youth ministry and our children's class in church together as a family. Oh, we don't have, we don't have to fear that he's going to flee if we mess up because he works even when he's not noticed. And that's an important and beautiful truth. Yes. Very good. Now, last question uh, is what are some resources on the Holy spirit that particularly can be helpful for young people? Well, to state the obvious, the Bible, um, <laughs> yeah. and really, you the more if you're looking for it, sometimes, or just some other, you could name a, a different theme or doctrine. Sometimes when you're looking for it, you go, "Oh, this is in a lot more places than I realized." Yeah. Oh, okay. And so I could multiply examples on that, but yes, the the Spirit is present in the Old Testament, and not just in the sense of breathing out scripture, though that's true, yeah. but other examples of God, like in Isaiah and God's spirit uh, coming and, and making a barren wasteland uh, fruitful, uh, talks about in Joel, and he's going to pour out his spirit in the last days, and there's other places, and then in the New Testament as well. But as far as non-inspired by the Holy Spirit kind of resources, mm -hmm. I'm not aware of any that I'd say, man, this is great for kids or for teenagers, but do you have some that you've come across? Yeah, I, I, I do have a couple, uh, but I, I think that there should be more. And maybe that to me shows why this podcast is necessary and why maybe I should have brought this up earlier. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, a couple, uh, one of them actually is directly a kid's book. And this is for really little kids. Uh, it's just called the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a little series and theology books called Big Theology for Little Hearts. And this is for like preschool age kids. Uh, and I think it's a helpful little resource on that. Uh, and then another one, and it's not written for young people directly, but it's a super easy and short read. Uh, and just really excellent is R.C. Sproul's little book on the Holy Spirit called Who is the Holy Spirit, which is part of his uh, Crucial Questions series, which probably you could get online somewhere for free. Uh, He's got a lot. Yes, pretty much all those, I think, on Kindle are free. Yeah, they're fan just totally fantastic. Uh, almost all of those that I mean, I haven't read a bad one, but that particularly I thought was just pastoral kind, easy to read, and uh, profoundly helpful. Mm, good. So I, I honestly, I could see, you know, uh, a young, you know, somebody who's eight or nine reading it and benefiting from that, although it's not directly a kid's book. Okay. So cool. 
Anyway, well, I thought this was a, a pertinent, important discussion, and I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is going to work through this, even if we don't see that. Right, Ben? Amen. Amen. So, well, it's good talking to you, brother. You too. God Take bless. care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.